Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. North Louisiana, what up? How it goes? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on Thursday mornings around 8 o'clock. We love catching up with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Chris, how are you doing this morning, bud? Doing good, guys. Uh, Chris, uh, this being Top 10 Thursday, and in honor of uh, Billy Cannon, we were doing the Top 10 Players of All Time from LSU football history, and quite frankly, this was a daunting task. And I realize you've been at LSU for a, a relatively short period of time, but as you kind of look back at this history and the tradition of LSU football, you got to be amazed at the number of un- unbelievable players that have come from this program, and also you've, I'm sure, had a, the opportunity to run into a few of these people. Yeah, again, it's, uh, you know, it's been a sad week there. I mean, you know, there have been so many great players. I mean, you can sit here and listen my entire time. I guess I could start trying to, to recall the ones, uh, you know, part of my job coming in is trying to get ramped up on the history of not just football, but, but, but all three of the sports that I cover. But, I mean, there's there's really one at the top. I mean, it's Dr. Cannon. I mean, it's the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, just his life story, uh, which is, is uh, you know, material for, for a book, a material for not an exact movie, but obviously uh, inspired uh, a film. But uh, certainly could have a movie that was uh, written, you know, page for page on the script uh, in his life. But, uh, I know he's, I had a chance to, to watch the service, so, although I was here in uh, Hoover, Alabama, but uh, did take time to watch it yesterday. And, and you just realize the impact uh, and the legend uh, that will continue forever. Uh, but, boy, there's a, there's a bunch of them. I, I don't know. For me, with my small wealth of knowledge, uh, you, you got to look to Dr. Cannon. I mean, his, his number is, is up on the facade uh, there at Tiger Stadium, where it will be uh, forever. And uh, again, all of our thoughts and prayers this week to the Cannon family and for, for Tiger fans and, and everybody who loves LSU, because I think he is he is one of the ambassadors and has been for a number of years, uh, not only for the. Uh, Uh, Chris, of course, uh, we thought we had a pretty good storyline developing uh, last night with LSU against the top-ranked team in the country. Tigers get off to a great start, three to nothing, but uh, ultimately, you knew the Gators would fight their way back into it. An exciting ball game, but unfortunately, did not fare in the favor of the LSU Tigers. Yeah, one of those games where you know you a, a loss is a loss. There's there's no way to, to sugarcoat it. But uh, you know, I did like the way the guys. Did come out firing. I mean, they knew uh, they would have to. It's the number one team in the country. Uh, I, for my money, I think Florida is a much better team this year than they were last year, mainly because uh, of their offensive numbers, which I think they're a lot more potent than they were in 2017. 
funny to say when you're talking about the, the defending national champions. But uh, you know, they were down a couple of guys. They didn't have J.J. Sports, which is a big, big pop in the lineup. Uh, don't know if we'll see Brady Singer. Everybody says doubtful anybody will see him uh, here in Hoover. They're, he's a little banged up, uh, and they also want to save him for their run, um, you know, hopefully for them to, to get back to Omaha. So, um, you know, you, you still got to come out and you got to play. I mean, they're, they're, they're a very deep team as well as a very talented team. And you know, LSU got up 3 nothing, and kind of the difference in the game. They had their opportunities uh, the night before against Mississippi State. Late in the game, they were able to find the hits they needed uh, to not only get a lead playing from behind, but but I actually add to their lead to pull away eight to five. And again, they just didn't find them. Uh, they had some opportunities there. Um, you know, Nick Coons tries to lay down a bunt. I know Coach after the game said, you know, he probably might have, have changed that decision looking back on it. But uh, you know, his thought process as he explained it was, you know, they they weren't getting a lot of hits. Uh, off Florida. I mean, they got some early and then, you know, only had uh, two hits deep into the game. And you had some runners aboard. Uh, and then also, you know, Jake Slaughter just misses. I mean, Jonathan India, pretty sure handed <laughs> all defensive team member, player of the year in the SEC, uh, makes two really bad throws at third. And again, that's why they're number one. Slaughter absolutely just rails one down the line at third and, and India stretches out and grabs it near the foul line, pops up and, and fires the first to strike and, uh, you know, ends the chance to, to tie or possibly, I think, with that ball getting by down the line, you're probably taking the lead. So just unfortunate. But all in all, I mean, the guys came to play in Hoover. They know what they're up against. They're, I think they feel like maybe they did enough getting the win over Mississippi State to get an at-large bid, but they're not, you know, resting on the fact that they've gotten it. So we'll get a chance today. Um and, and hopefully, you know, be able to pick up another win, stay a little bit longer here in Hoover, and again solidify a chance to play in the NCAA tournament wherever that may be next week. Uh, Chris, I know Maneri can really address it after the game. What do they do in terms of pitching today? Who will get the start? Any clue? Uh, well, I think, yeah, you know, I think that we'll hear it probably earlier today uh, or later today, I should say. My guess is, I mean, you, you, we saw Matthew Beck get up and warm. Uh, he did not enter the game. Um, Devin Fontenot pitched a spectacular one inning of work uh, against Mississippi State. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you, if they go with Caleb Gilbert. Um, and I know Caleb has struggled here of late, uh, but you possibly have Beck, and you may have Fontenot. Coach had said that, you know, he may be ready uh, for last night's game, although we didn't see Fontenot. Uh, but Caleb, you know, he's hometown boy. You know, he played high school baseball just – you know, maybe a baseball throw away from the Hoover Met at, at Hoover High School. And, you know, he's had some big moments here in the SEC tournament over the last two years. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if at least they start with Caleb Gilbert, see if maybe he can find some of the late-year magic that we saw a year ago. Uh, and then if not, then you go quickly to the bullpen to possibly back or Fontenot uh, and try to piece it together. But, uh, you know, you can't really argue with him throwing the guys they threw on uh, Tuesday night. I mean, they had to win. There was really no question. Had they lost that game to Mississippi State, I, I don't know if the season may not have come to an end. So uh, they'll just have to, to dig deep out of the bullpen with the arms that they have. Bittmeyer, of course, will be available. Uh, John Kodros will be available, although he's more of a, uh, a short relief kind of guy. Uh, but if I had to guess, my guess would be either Gilbert would be my number one guess uh, Matthew Beck, and then possibly Fontenot. 
have to wait and see. Chris, uh, we don't have a real good connection. We'll uh, catch up uh, next week when you're loud and clear. And, of course, we'll be listening uh, later today for LSU baseball. Appreciate the time, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. Apologize for uh, the static there. He had a bad connection. Yeah. He's been having some phone issues. Well, um, and also it doesn't help when you're a couple states away, right? <laughs> Is that how phones work? No? Uh, last night uh, just shows you the difference perhaps from a top-ranked team in Florida well, and then LSU. Literally, in baseball, you could be that close. I mean, it really literally boils down to three plays. I have a lot of thoughts about what you just said. Um, I think when you're looking at Florida isn't undeniably the best team, but the SEC is so tight. You know, you're, you're looking at a conference that's going to put 11 teams into the postseason, into the tournament, right? Which you usually poke fun at the SEC getting that many teams. But I think this is one of those years where the SEC has been. So that means Kentucky's getting in. So good. And the rest of the conferences, there's usually not this big of a gap between the SEC and the other conferences, right? The ACC's down this year, which really hurts. Uh, TCU's not really carrying the banner for the Big 12. So, for that reason, I think I, I say all that to say this: Florida, yes, they are the best, but I don't think the gap between Florida and let's just say uh, the sixth or seventh best team in the SEC, I don't think it's that big of a margin. What about the eighth team? A little bit. But not that much. Yeah. Being LSU. I know. But it is there. But it, you saw last night it's not that much. If LSU makes a few plays and does the fundamentals with Nick Coombs uh, getting that bunt down. I yeah, keep throwing him under I'm the not bunt. Look, I just think that's one of those instances where you've got to have that bunt and there's no excuse, man. And, and I good for Paul Maneri for, for taking the blame and saying he should have just had him hit. It's no outs. You bunt. You got two on. It's no outs. You, you bunt in that scenario. That said, um, you know, it, it was a lot of bad luck, too. I mean, the Jake Slaughter play was just a freak play. He could have had that double play. He, he stepped on the bag and just slipped. And then, of course, Florida ended up scoring another run in that inning. Uh, but, yeah, LSU hasn't had a bad showing in the SEC tournament. And of course, down at the conference, USA tournament got a royal mess with the Mother Nature and then uh, Louisiana Tech uh, falling behind to Rice, and, uh, of course, that game suspended in the seventh inning with uh, Louisiana Tech trailing. They'll now resume that game later today. Hey, uh, I actually threw out a poll yesterday. Remember we were having our discussion about Moneyball? I said it was the top ten. I said – I didn't say that. I asked you if it was. You said no way. Yeah. I thought you should have gave a little bit more consideration. Asked, is Moneyball top ten sports movies? Forty-seven percent said yes. 53% said no. Good. I was right again. <laughs> Listeners agree. All right. Here's where I'm going to get you. Creed, as recent as it is, deserves to be a top 10 no, sports movie. No, come yes. On, no, come on. Have you seen it? Yes. How can you say no? It's not. It's better than Rocky. 888. No. 888. 993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, looking forward to this. In studio there in Ruston, we got Malcolm Butler and Keith Prince. Man, Jake, this is an historic day. We need to write this date down. Probably one of the greatest days in the history of the morning drive. Anytime you can uh, get Keith Prince and his caddy, Malcolm Butler, off the golf course to join us on the morning drive, you got to write down this date. A memorable one at that. They join us. This dynamic duo joins us from the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Gentlemen, how are you doing this morning? 
Well, I'm good. You got two. You got one thing right, one thing wrong. All right. I, if I'm on a golf course, I should be a caddy. I should not be a player. And I do not get to play golf. So Keith is definitely the golfer of the two. That's what you can do when you're retired and you're in the Hall of Fame. Well, Keith, how did we pull you off the golf course this morning? You pulled me off because my tea time isn't until nine thirty, Dietrich. So you're not—you don't have to go to the driving range before. We're, we're going to be all right. Or you're just going to use us as an excuse later on. Yeah, it, I found it doesn't do me any good with this body and the swing I have. When you're as good as Keith, you don't need to go to the driving range, Aaron. That's just for hacks like me and you. It just doesn't help. Yeah. Is the problem? I leave. All mystified. right, guys. Uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, putting together a list of uh, to, to honor the 50-year anniversary of Joe I.A. Stadium, the list of the best 50 players to uh, play in that stadium. Malcolm, how did this all come about? Well, a, a couple things. First of all, just so we're clear, uh, is this is actually about to be year 51 of the Joe. So we are honoring the first 50 years of the stadium. Last year was year 50. Um, so this is year 51. We're going to honor the first uh, the first 50 years. And uh, to be honest with you, um, I'm not 100% sure. As Tommy McClellan, our AD, came to me uh, with the idea, I think somebody had caught him uh and just said hey you guys realize it's the 50th anniversary and as as obvious as sometimes those things might see and keith can probably tell you this uh a lot of times you're so busy with the daily grind of things things like that kind of slip up on you and so we're actually doing a project this summer to segue uh where we're putting a timeline together of tech athletics so uh it'll be a lot easier for us to keep up with things like this when you're talking about conference champions national champions facilities opening coaches hiring and so forth so uh that's one of my summer projects but no tommy can came to me, uh, said, hey, you know, we want to do this. And so we sat down as, as an external group and kind of talked through uh, how we were going to do it. Uh, I did have the historical background of being there back in 01 uh, when we were celebrating the 100-year anniversary of Louisiana Tech football as a whole. Uh, and I was on a committee of about 20 people who sat in a room uh, and came up with the 50 greatest players uh, to ever play at Louisiana Tech for that 100-year anniversary. So uh, we decided that, okay, let's take a look at that list. Uh, whoever's on there who fits the criteria of the fact that, hey, they actually played at Joe I.E. Stadium, well, they're going to stay on that list because there's mm. obviously no way we're going to take them all. Uh, and that was 32 of the 50 slots. And so then it was up. Uh, to me and my staff to kind of try to come up with uh, nominations uh, so fans could vote on the last 18 slots. Uh, we spent about a week doing that. That was a very, very difficult thing. Um, we're, you know, it's hard to figure out where you cut it off, but we came up with about 75 names. And uh, so anyhow, we put out the release, so what, three days ago? And uh, fans can go online and take a look at those 75 and vote for uh, their top 18, and we're going to let them do that till uh, May the 30th. I think that's next Friday uh, will be the cutoff, and then uh, we will take the results, and we will come out a couple of days later and release uh, the top 50 greatest players to play at Joe Stadium. We'll bring them back uh, for the very first home game, uh, and we will celebrate uh, that night with those 50 guys back at Joe I. So it'll be a lot of fun. Most of you uh, longtime sports information directors, of course, Keith Brintz goes back a little bit farther than Malcolm. Keith, when you start to put something like this together, how daunting of a task is this? Well, it's just impossible. That's all. <laughs> uh, you just can't do it all. We were just talking about a few minutes ago the normal thing that happens, first of all, is that you pick the 
you know, the players that are running and catching and so forth, and the linemen, just like always, sometimes get left behind. And, of course, we're trying to include everybody. But I, I think it's such a neat thing to try to do. It, it just gives you something to talk about, and that's fun, you know, just like the stories we love that you do on uh, the, our past heroes. Uh, that series you did, you know, several years ago in the summertime was the best thing from my standpoint that you ever got to do, and I just loved it. Uh, but it's this, t it's that type of thing, you know, so we all enjoy it. Of course, you know, when I, uh, when I was there, they let me do the, uh, the list on which buildings first got electricity and when we got running water <laughs> and things like that. So I'm really, uh, I'm really enthralled by this. And the beauty of things like this is, of course, then you start, it brings back so many different great memories. And, and for you, Keith, as you think back at some of these players, that's got to be what, what you enjoys you the most and kind of motivates you to kind of do a thing like this. Well, for sure. When I look down the list, uh, that's what I have to do is starting. I got here in one year after the stadium opened. It opened in 68, wow. and I got here in 69. So I've gotten to uh, and was here through 93. So I got to see so many things. But it, it was truly the golden time back then. Uh uh, Terry uh, Bradshaw had had kind of gotten things started with a bang in that 68 year. Uh, he led the nation in passing uh, that year, and that's when he was discovered. And, of course, that brought the scouts. And so in 69, we might have as many scouts as we'd have media people or probably more, really and truly. And it was just so much fun. That was such a great team uh, in 69 to start it off with. And course the crazy thing about that is the game that I remember the most uh, I always kid people uh, uh, in saying that I really didn't I barely got to see Terry Letter because uh, they'd coach Slambright just didn't believe in running the score up and he would pull them out at halftime so there were many games they would they would uh, in 69 I, I know that they would get way ahead and he would start them and let them play a series in the second half, and that would be it, and they'd pull him out. But the one game I remember his senior year, above all others, is the one we lost at homecoming to Southern Miss by a point. A fellow by the name of Ray Guy kicked about a 45-yard field goal uh, for Southern Miss to beat us in the last minute of that game. Uh, but we had, you know, we won just about all of them that year, and so it, it was great. And then along comes 71 to start the true golden era of our time. We won 44 games and lost only four over that next four years thanks to that recruiting class largely that came in in 71, you know, Fred Dean and Quick Six McDaniels and, oh, just all of them. It, it was just a tremendous list. Uh, so, you know, there are wonderful memories. Uh, I can remember that 71 year, the game that really signaled that we had arrived was when we beat Arkansas State here. They had dominated the Southland Conference. We joined the conference that year in 71. They had gone 11-0 and the year before and had won three or four straight state championship, uh, conference championships, Southland Conference, and we beat them by a point here at home. We had a picture that we ran in, year, in our media guides for years of the sideline and the, how ecstatic everybody was when we scored that winning touchdown late in the game uh so you know those kind of things uh pop up when i start looking at names 
and scores and things like that. So I, I was so fortunate to get to be here during that time. I, I've said uh, before that, uh, you know, in my 24 years, I got to cover something like 50 of the people that are in the uh, Tech Hall of Fame right now. So that shows you what kind of a time I got to have. Follow-up question to you, Keith, uh, just uh, Fred Dean. Did you, could you tell right away that he was something special? Well, all I can say is, in my mind, Fred Dean, during my time here, was the best athlete that I remember. I mean, in all phases, he could just do whatever. He didn't have to lift weights. I don't know that, and of course, they weren't doing, I guess, a whole lot of that back then or had just started it, but I don't think he was a star in the weight room, but he could out, you know, he could go lift you up and throw you over a car. Um, he would, he went out just coming in to the start of fall practice and would win the Bulldog Mile. He did that a time or two. Uh, he was just a man among kids, you know, when he came here that way at 18 years old. He was just an amazing athlete, and yes, you could see it. Uh, he was never big. I think the most he ever weighed here was like 218 pounds. Um, and, but it was just the explosiveness and uh, the quickness and uh, I can remember there were two people. Jack Dolan was a very famous coach. Uh, he ended up being the president at McNeese State but, and a state legislator at one time. But he was a great coach for McNeese. And there were two guys that he couldn't stand at Louisiana Tech. And one was Fred Dean. He said, you know, we start trying to uh, make our playbook to what to do against Tech. And the first thing our uh, offensive people say is, well, we're not going to run it. Uh, Fred Dean. I mean, there's no use to do that. That's just wasting plays. And then somebody else would say, yeah, but you can't run away from Fred Dean because that's when he's even better. He chases you down in the backfield. And that's exactly the way he played. And the other guy was Roger Carr, who they kept saying, this guy can't really be that fast. And he just kept out running them and scoring long touchdowns. So I can remember Dolan saying that for McNeese. But yes, Fred Dean was that good from the first day I saw him. Hmm. Great stories. Uh, before we get to more players on this list, of course, Fred Dean and uh, Roger Carr already on uh, the list. Uh, Malcolm, we'd re be remiss not to mention, of course, uh, Buddy Davis and the history lesson that he could give us on some of these athletes that have played during Louisiana Tech's time. Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, for a guy who claims he can't remember anything, he's pretty good with some of these stories, <laughs> yes. isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Where are my car keys? <laughs> but, no, Buddy, you know, Buddy is the uh, he's the living historian uh, of Lincoln Parish, no doubt about it. And uh, we're so fortunate to have him. And, you know, we still, we still lean heavily on him uh, when we can. And, you know, we're also trying to come up. Uh, with a list of the greatest opposing players to ever play at Joe I.A. Stadium. And so I reached out to Keith and to Buddy and Teddy Allen and Tom Burnett and, uh, and some of those guys, uh, Nico Van Thine and so forth, that go way back uh, to try to start working on that list. But anytime uh, there's something that uh, I need to know about uh, tech athletics or even Lincoln Parish, uh, I always reach out to Buddy. So, no, he's a gold mine, no doubt about it. All right, guys, this is the problem. This is certainly fun to try to – put these different generations against each other, but they were different times, different years, and, of course, different styles of football. As you guys are kind of going through the voting and trying to figure out who the 18 people, uh, 18 players that you're going to put on the list, how difficult is that? 
Well, I'll say this. I'm glad there's already 32 of the 50 decided. Yeah. Uh, that makes it a little bit easier. But, uh, you know, I like I said, I, I, I was in charge of kind of coming up with the nom- nominations. And then when I actually went and tried to vote, uh, I real, real, realized real quickly how difficult that was. I mean, you vote for 18, you're leaving some incredible players uh, off of that list. I don't care which direction you go. And so it's hard, and it's hard to compare errors. I mean, you know, he mentioned Terry leading the country in passing as a senior. And my guess is Terry probably, or as a junior, my guess is Terry probably threw for about 2,000 yards that year, uh, whereas, you know, a guy like uh, Ryan Higgins a couple of years ago threw for almost 5,000. So it's just – it's such a different era, uh, and it is so hard to, to compare. But, you know, it's a lot of fun. These things are always a lot of fun. Uh, they're a challenge, and, you know, like uh, we kind of discussed in our external meeting, it's just a, these guys, if, you, if you've been nominated on this team, it should be an honor regardless of whether you make it or not because trying to, to pick just 50 players over 50 years is, is extremely difficult. Keith Prince, you go back to the 70s, the 80s, uh, a player or two that maybe didn't get the recognition that they deserve, and you will certainly put them on your list. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I will have to. I would have to go down a list. You know, I, one that I'm just thinking about uh, that probably got virtually no notoriety from me and everybody else. But when you look at, I looked him up, and there was a guy from West Monroe by the name of Andre Young, and he played here in '79, '80, and '81, or probably '78 uh, also. But anyway. This guy is probably the only guy in tech history that was that made all conference at a different position for three straight years. You know, uh, he made it as a defensive end, he made it as a safety, he made it as a linebacker. But yet, who remembers Andre? Uh, they weren't some of our better years. Of course, that always you have to look at that too. I mean, that just draws you to to these players' names when you can remember them as part of great seasons, and those weren't necessarily our great se- greatest seasons. But, you know, I know he's one, and then I just, you know, you can just look down the list. There are just so many um, that were outstanding players, and, and so I had a hard time. I went, I went through the list, Malcolm's list, and I did vote the other day, and I had to go back. <laughs> I had gotten through it, and I think I had 24 on the list. <laughs> and so I had to go back and try to reevaluate and prioritize and all of that, and I just found it a very difficult thing to do. And, of course, that's, that's the beauty of it, that, and we're just thankful that we've had that many quality players here, and it just keeps on coming. Well, I know from playing golf with you, adding is not a, a, a big thing for you. So. Well, I can remember you That's were pretty good, too. Uh, I, His memory I is they bad. St- they started <laughs> the term with you pencil being pencil-whipped. I think that was how they started started it with you, Dietrich. But you're pretty Hey, good. guys, can you hold on through the break? We've got to pay some bills. I want to re- uh, rejoin this conversation here in a couple minutes. Sure. Welcome back to the show. The dynamic duo of Keith Prince and Malcolm Butler joining us this morning as uh, we attempt to break down the top 50 players in Louisiana Tech football history, or at least in the last uh, 50 years. Uh, a nice little exercise, Malcolm. The beauty of this is that uh, listeners and, of course, Louisiana Tech fans get to weigh in, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we had. I looked this morning. We've already got this thing was released, what, two and a half days ago? And we've got almost 2,000 votes uh, so far, so we've had a really good response. And you know, we hope people uh, continue. You can uh, you can find the 
the bat, you can either go to our website, latexports.com, and just click on the story uh, about this, and there'll be a link there. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash latexathletics. Uh, I know we have tweeted out the link as well, but there's a lot of way, different ways to get to where the, uh, the voting is. And, uh, you know, I, I have the luxury, and I'm not going to divulge the uh, results so far, but I got the luxury of looking at the back end and, and seeing, mm. you know, uh, what the voting is like so far. And so it's interesting. I'll tell you a couple of little interesting notes. Uh, the top vote getter right now uh, only has 41%. Uh, so out of what, almost 2,000 votes, uh, nobody has, uh, nobody's over uh, 40%, uh, as you would expect. And me and Keith talked about this earlier, too. It's pretty heavy with skill position players. Uh, you know, so many of those guys, uh, just because they they touch the ball and they score the touchdowns, uh, a lot of times they'll get the nod over a, a great lineman or uh, a great DB or whatever. Uh, but an, another interesting note is we'll have a number of special teams guys on this as well. We've had some great kickers and punters and so forth over the years. So it's going to be a really well-rounded uh, group by the time it's all said and done. And uh, fans are doing a really good job of voting. But uh, the voting uh, closes uh, relatively in a short period of time. Yeah, uh, people have another, what, another week, I think it is. We're going to close it on May the 30th. Uh, And the reason we're doing that is uh, we want to give these folks who are going to make this team uh, a three-month notice that, hey, you're going to be honored uh, on September, I think it's the 8th, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember the date of that first home game. But you're going to be honored uh, on this day, and we want you back in Ruston. We want you there. Uh, and so, again, we don't want to give them a two-week notice or a month notice because a lot of times people already have plans. Uh, so we're going to we're trying to do this now here at the beginning of the summer. Uh, it'll also give us the opportunity this summer to get a lot of these folks uh, back up there. We're going to get them on camera. Uh, talking about a lot of their memories of playing at the stadium. We're going to get some people like Keith Prince and a Mickey Slaughter who didn't play there but coached there and, uh, and maybe an E.J. Lewis and some folks like that, uh, maybe a Buddy Davis, to to go on camera as well and talk about their memories of Joe I. Stadium. So uh, there's a lot of different things we're planning on doing with this, and so we're trying to get this list put together uh, so we got three months to kind of work on it. Oh, man, you want to talk about a photo opportunity. If you can get a number of these guys to come back, that will be incredible. Yeah, I think we, I think I, I'll be surprised if we don't get the vast majority of them back. Uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful night and should be a, a lot of fun. Uh, Keith, from a guy that, of course, was there at the beginning, uh, basically, of the Joe, when you walk into that place now, are you kind of amazed at how this thing has been transformed? You just don't know. I mean, it is amazing. We are all so proud of what we have now. And, of course, we were just that proud of it in back in 1968 and 1969. The only, I must say, my first memory of the press box uh, when I arrived in the summer of 69, of course, I was going, that was going into Terry Bradshaw's senior year and Tommy Spinks and that great team that was truly a wonderful team. Is The first thing I learned about the press box is that the elevators weren't in. And you realize how much equipment we still carry, we have to carry up there from game to game. And so it was tough. I didn't know if I was going to live through my first season just by carrying stuff up. But uh, I can just remember how nice it was and how much uh, we were, how proud we were of it and how much the media enjoyed it back then. I know uh, with y'all arriving late in its date, uh, it doesn't seem like, too much it seemed a little run down i guess maybe t- by the time you guys started covering it but back then you know uh, it was just wonderful and i can say this 
which Malcolm might not appreciate, but to this day, we had the best food in the state back during that time. And it was the one thing, I didn't have much of a budget, of course, to do anything, but that was the one thing that Dr. Taylor, our president, put in his budget. So, you know, he was pretty well known for doing things upright and wanting to always uh, leave a good taste in the mouth of visitors who would come, uh, particularly the media. He was very media savvy and knew how to, to, to do that. And so we had prime rib, we had chicken, we had right. cobbler, we had uh, baked potatoes, beans, the whole deal. You know, it was just, it was first class. And guys would talk about it. I mean, they'd want to come over here and cover it, uh, not just for the food, but they always considered that a bonus. So that was always nice. And then, um, you know, for that time, uh, really, as you build anything, you know, you, you do it in the times that you're living in. And for that, uh, that point in time, it was very nice. One of the best in the state, obviously, probably next to LSU. Keith, uh, your role has changed a little bit at Louisiana Tech, but throughout the years, the one role that stayed the same is you have been a fan. You look at the current state of Louisiana Tech athletics, what do you think of it? I love it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I admire it so much, and I do it from a couple of standpoints. One, not only the quality of the athletes and the coaching that they're receiving and the acclaim we're getting. I love the conference we're in now, uh, but uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it's just the other thing that I really like about it is that they are attacking the, uh, our sports in many different ways. You know, we didn't have the staff back then. I did the Letterman's Club. I ended up doing what now maybe two or three people do about game day. My wife was a big factor in the helping to, to get the, uh, tailgating going up on the hill back then. She got, uh. Joe Hinton and uh, several other guys uh, to help her judge, and we would we would come up with a theme for the tailgating, and she they would go around her little group and judge who had the best uh, situation, the best food, the best hospitality, and that kind of thing. And then we would announce it at the game, you know, that list, our top three, and so forth, and just make it a fun thing. So. We had to do a lot of those kind of things. Um, Who handled social media back then? Uh, uh, yeah, what did what you <laughs> say that again? Uh, in other words, who had the best parties after the game? That go. would have been the social media then. But uh, no, I admire what they're doing now, and they 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 think with so much vision now, and they're able to have uh, you know staffs to do these things, and it shows. I mean, I just love game day now. Uh, you feel like you are walking into a big-time atmosphere, and yet I'm still there. I'm sure there's many other things that can be done, and we'll keep working on that. But that's the probably the biggest or one of the biggest advances uh, that I can see is just the way they can attack so many different things now and have a presence in so many ways that we really didn't know about or, or just couldn't do. We just didn't have the people. My staff uh, was me and... and uh, several students who ended up being the best in the world who have gone on to fantastic jobs and then Dave would help me part-time when he got here he was running the campus radio station so he didn't have but half a day at best uh, but he would come over and he was my assistant for those years uh, so you know it's just all changed but that's what I love so about it that tech has changed with the times 
and Tommy McClellan obviously has great vision, uh, but he's just he puts together a staff and lets them get after it, and now we're just doing so many more things. And one of those staff members being Malcolm Butler. Malcolm, remind listeners one more time what they need to do to vote for the top 50 players in Joe IA Stadium history. Well, sure. They've got uh, they've got till May the 30th, uh, and just uh, go to LaTexSports.com. There's a story on the main page just about – uh, this 50th anniversary team, if you click on the story, there'll be a link in there that will take you directly to the poll, or you can go to our Facebook page at La Tech Athletics. Uh, there'll be a post there that's a couple of days old. Click on that. Uh, I know we've tweeted the link out uh, from our primary uh, Twitter accounts. We'll continue to do that. So it's not hard to find. Again, uh, right now we've got uh, almost 1,800 votes through, what, two and a half, three days. And so uh, we're, we want as many people out there voting as possible. Uh, because, again, we want this to be a very well-represented team, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, obviously, the vast majority of these 18 that are going to be added are probably going to be from the last 20 years because the first 32 are already from the first 32 years when we did the team in 01. So, so many of those greats from the first 32 years of the stadium's history are already on uh, the team. So, uh, there are going to be a a couple of uh, older guys sprinkled throughout, I think, based off of what I'm seeing on the voting. Uh, But for the most part, most of these uh, additional 18 will probably come from uh, 01 until now. Finally, Malcolm, uh, if we teamed up and scrambled against uh, that guy over there, Keith Prince, how many strokes would he have to give us for 18 Dude, holes? We, me and you don't have much of a chance. Um, if he gave us two per hole, we might stand a chance. Ooh, yeah. 18. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We've Let's now see. started another memory deal here. You guys are talking about me and my golf, and the people that now see me play golf daily know how pitiful it is. So there's no strokes to be gotten uh that puppy has died down <laughs> somewhere, so don't don't even be thinking about that. So I should just keep those memories of you on the golf course from a few years. That's what I have to do because <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> As always, guys, it was fun. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, Aaron. Thank we you, appreciate Aaron. it. As always. Malcolm Butler and Keith Prince. Good stuff. You like my math there, didn't you, Jake? Oh, sorry. You're a math wizard. <laughs> I went to the Harvard of the South, you know, Southwest Texas State. So. <sighs> Hey, name some great Texas State football players. <laughs> Man, don't be trying to shade at me just because I threw something at Nichols and, and you couldn't respond. You know, and I should have known Ladarius Webb should have came along. Yeah, and Ladarius Webb would be number one. I don't know if he'd be number one, but he certainly deserves yeah. recognition. 888-993-7762. Jake's all fired up. He's got a parting shot coming up after the break. Uh, Let's end this show on a high note. It is our parting shots. What you got, Jake? Okay, I've got uh, a couple things here. Let's start here. I want to. I want to press you a little. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, LSU coming off that heartbreak last night, certainly uh, one or two plays, literally inches away from taking down the top ranked team. Sure. What happens today? Oh. You're asking me to predict yeah. what the pitching's going to do yeah. after Hilliard. Yeah. You knew this was going to be an issue no matter what. Well, and I'll tell you, I said this from the get-go, I viewed this tournament a lot differently than, I guess, a lot of LSU fans. I looked at it as, you got to win that Mississippi State game no matter what. And then after that, whatever happens, it's fine. Because you just need to get into a regional. I think they've done that with the Mississippi State Are they going to be a three-seed three in the regional? A three seed? Yeah. Is that what the predictions are? No, I'm just asking. I was thinking four. I mean, come on. Four. 
they're not going to put him. I mean, we'll see. No disrespect to the SWAC and the MEAC and those conferences, but I mean, they're going to hold. Plus, if you're number one seed, you'd be pretty upset if you get LSU in there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I haven't looked that deep into it, but if you, I just think they're in. Um, so for today, I'm assuming Caleb Gilbert's going to pitch. Uh, doesn't sound like Lavis is going to be available, which I mean, still another hindrance on this team. But uh, yeah, Gilbert can be good. We've seen him. In fact, you know, you, you go back to last year, last year's postseason. He was really good in last year's postseason. Uh, but you know, he struggled this year. Was a starter and lost his starting spot because of his struggles. Hopefully, he can kind of summon that magic that he had last year in last year's postseason. But yeah, I don't know. I, prediction, I'll say mm, I don't have enough faith in that pitching stuff. Said they get the win today. Uh, the more fascinating storyline taking place down in Biloxi. When will they play the Bulldogs? <laughs> of course, scheduled to go around 1230 to make up or not make up, resume the game they're currently in with Rice with them trailing, what, 6-1 to one in the 7th. Yeah. Uh, you would think odds are not good for them to come back and win that ball game. So then they're going to have to turn around and play later in the day, what's left in the Bulldogs' tank? How do they rebound from this? How do they rebound, and how does the Conference USA play, uh, pull this off? They've got the biggest headache. I mean, if the weather is expected to be even worse over the course of the next two, three days, how are they going to finish this tournament by Sunday? Well, I don't even know how they're going to get through today because let's just say the, the weather's fine. Literally two of the four games yesterday were not played, and you still have to wrap up Louisiana Tech's matchup right so you start at nine they're going to get started in 10 minutes with utsa and charlotte and then after that game they're going to try to conclude tech and then you've got three more games after that the logistics of that i mean they're either going to stay out super late or early in the morning or i don't know i don't know ideal conditions yeah that's with that's with ideal conditions and we're expecting more rain like you said so and it wasn't even rain yesterday. The rain hasn't even arrived yet. From uh, different reports I had down there, it didn't rain one drop. It was just literally lightning within that eight-mile radius. So, so are we confident, as scheduled, they only have one game, the championship game scheduled for Sunday. Right. Are we confident that they can finish this in time? I don't know. I don't think so. This is going to be one of the more intriguing storylines to follow this summer. Because if it, Plus it, it would what suck happens? because well, you take the highest seed. So then, of course, Southern Miss gets the automatic. Oh, man. That's rough. Yeah. And what if, you know, Tech pulls off some magic today and they're right there, yet Southern Miss, who they beat two out of three times, mm-hmm. would get it because they're the higher mm-hmm. seed. First things Worst first, case Louisiana scenario. Tech has to start playing better. They, they have play, to, play yeah. horrible against Rice, of course, and now they'll have a time – opportunity overnight to kind of sit on that and let that brew a little bit. I don't know where Lane Burroughs spends this game, this game they're making up. Does he stay back in the hotel room? I mean, where where is he? I don't know. We definitely do need to ask him what he's done, you know, both yesterday and what he'll do most of the day. We need to catch up with him soon. So yesterday you were all excited about the viewing habits, and then, of course, uh, what took place, the delay with Louisiana Tech, then LSU. Oh, I know. I knew better. The NBA uh, – Tech didn't get Eastern started. Eastern Conference Finals. Tech didn't get started till what, like 4.30? Yeah. Something like that. And then, of course, we know we've already talked about what happened. 
But yeah, I thought we were going to have a full day of sports, and it turned out to get to be almost half a day. Almost, also tonight, of course, we have uh, the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I say take Terry Waldrop's paycheck and bet it all on the Warriors. Houston actually favored by a point. Well, my question is who this this the storyline the last two games have been, but both conference finals have been who the fatigue. The fatigue of these players. Now, you know, everybody's talking about, well, LeBron looks tired. Well, he should look tired. He's having to do everything. What, who, how are the Rockets, who have shortened their bench so much, yeah. how are they not going to be tired tonight? And the whole conversation is about the Warriors being worn out, running out of gas. Right. On the flip side, we'll see what Houston looks like. But listen to these numbers real quick. The starting lineup for the Rockets, which was initially Harden, Paul, Ariza, Tucker, and Capella. They have a net rating of minus 24.7 points in 43 minutes in this series. Now, if you replace Capella with Gordon, they are plus 7.4. So you see why D'Antoni has done what he's done. You see why he's shortened the bench. But, man, those guys got to be tired tonight, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you need to watch. This has turned into a war of attrition, and we'll see who who fatigues more down the stretch. Uh, Hogan says Arkansas finished at 1.30 a.m. with a win. Go Hogs, go Rockets. Larry wants you to review your top 10 LSU list of the best players of all time. Yeah, uh, let me pull it up. Uh, this was an exercise for Top 10 Thursday doing an honor and tribute of Billy Cannon. Obviously, Billy Cannon, LSU's only Heisman Trophy winner, comes in at number one. Yeah, he says, uh, Kevin Hawaii was one of the greatest that I saw at LSU and had a great career in the NFL. Did you already read that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> at 10, I had Dalton Hilliard, 9, Burt Jones, 8, Josh Reed, 7, Glenn Dorsey, 6, Patrick Peterson, 5, Alan Fanica, 4, Kevin Falk, 3, I cheated, Jerry Stovall, and Tyron Matthew, uh, 2, Tommy Casanova, 1, Billy Cannon. It was tough. Uh, look, you, you could, I could make this list next week, and some of them could be jumbled. Uh, the biggest surprise of that list, of course, is we reviewed uh, Josh Reed's numbers throughout his career and how good Insane. he was. Insane to have a 293-yard game. I forgot about that. And he, he had multiple games like that. Just insane for a receiver to, to put up those type of numbers. What, what do you think LSU receivers, if they look back and say, hey, how did Josh Reed have 94 receptions in one year? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when they had Rohan Davey, too, who yeah. is one of the more underrated players in LSU history. Hmm. And I make the argument, of course, uh, Joe Burrow, maybe will be joining that uh, list. Well, Joe Burrow, field. after they beat Miami, is instantly in the list. That would be a nice list, too, the most hyped players in LSU history. Now, that honestly, that really would be a good list. Russell Shepard would be number one. He's still making a nice paycheck in the league, too. Yeah, but they thought – Ryan Perley. Ryan Perley would be up there as well. But I think Shepard has to be number one. And I think hype-wise, though, uh, Leonard Fournette. And I know he had a, a very he, good career. He, he had. But the hype coming in, though, we're talking about. You're people, talking about just hype alone and hype. not whether or not they and I met think that when hype. he signed. And well, I that's different. I remember the day he was mentioning plural national championships, plural Heisman trophies. He did the plural Heisman trophies and. Got a little bit in the doghouse for that. And then, of course, he did the – I think it was at Sam Houston. He did the Heisman pose, which was – come on. Good show today. Let's try to do it again tomorrow. Sure. What do we got going on tomorrow? Do we? Are we finally going to do our ESPYs? Maybe. 
You keep putting us off. You keep putting us off. We need a better name than the Espies. The high school Espies. Is Danica Patrick going to host it? Yeah, she is. (laughs) Ours? Our version? Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, We'll find something to talk about tomorrow. Thanks for listening. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.